the sports complex of the horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Wednesday afternoon. Got a lot for you on the show today. We'll keep going over some uh, Texas versus Washington in the Sugar Bowl and the Texas uh, end of season and all of that. And of course, there's been some news about who's going in the draft, who's not. We'll cover that as well. Talk a little bit more college football with you. Get into some NBA talk, some NFL talk as well, and... Some sound from E and Rob B. Hook them up this morning. We'll get to all of that on the show today and a whole lot more. And, of course, your text messages. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Whatever you guys want to talk about, questions, comments, concerns, whatever's on your mind, talk about it on the text line with me, and I'll try and talk, get to everybody's text. We always try to get in there. You guys drive the show. We just try to keep it on the rails. But it is your show on the text line, we love to have you aboard. So 512-447-3776, uh, if you want to react. We didn't get a good in the text line too much yesterday. I was a bit tired uh, having New Year's Eve roll in the national championship and then having a couple of busy days before that. Uh, did not get a lot of sleep and uh, then did the morning show yesterday. And so the afternoon show was kind of uh, running on autopilot by the time the afternoon show came about. And then I slept for about 12 hours last night. So I'm back in the game. We're back now and uh, feeling much better, uh, ready to go. I mean, it, you know, if we want to get into how the weekend went for football, my predictions weren't exactly right. I did have Alabama beating uh, Michigan, which did not end up happening. Uh, Michigan looked like the better team there, and, uh, and sadly, Washington looked like the better team against Texas. It just it ended up being that way, uh, but it was. It was a weird game. At the end of the day, you know, we were a couple days later, and... It's still, you know, it was a game that was weird. I was talking to Rod about this when we were doing the morning show that I was like, it's a weird, normally, you know, at the end of the game or, you know, at the end of any game, especially though at the end of the season, you kind of walk away normally after the game and you're upset about the penalties. You're upset about, you know, the problems that the team had, maybe play calling or whatever else. And we went, we've gone through it and we'll go through some more of it today. There is those issues. However, at the end of the day, I think the team put up a good fight. They ran into someone who was playing out of this world talent in Michael Penix right now in that, in that team and in what Washington's doing right now. And, uh, you know, I, I think the reality of it is, uh, you know, I think the team, you know, as much as people are getting on the secondary right now, and, and you know, I know they need to help, and I got a clip from uh, from Hook'em Up this morning that will play uh, another segment that'll be, that'll kind of give you some more information and more talk about the future of the Longhorns and then them building to that because they are trying to recruit and they they got a great class trying to bring in more help in the edge rushing. They did train more of the transfer as well. The, the, the pass rush that you weren't able to get to Penix. Uh, the offensive line did their job. They are, you know, they did award-winning best offensive line in the country. They did their job. Uh, 
you saw that the secondary. There were plays where they were on the defender and, and going back and watch some of those plays. He, you know, if you had an elite defender, an elite uh, defensive back, then yeah, maybe those guys do make the play. Maybe those guys can play the ball a little bit better and aren't watching the ice. But they were clearly coached in this game uh, to not let big plays happen, to stay on it and basically make Michael Penix's job harder, make him have a, a tight window to get the ball into. And a lot of these passes were inches away from being being knocked out and being uh, de- defend, defended passes, and it just ends up being that Michael Penix Jr. was dead on on a lot of those uh, plays. And, and, you know, you go up against that every once in a while, and that's going to happen. You know, you could say that the bigger issue might have been that the offense wasn't able to score at the level they wanted to. Uh, I talked about it a lot yesterday. I'm not sure why Texas didn't run the ball more. Uh, I know there were fumbles. Uh, from both running backs, so there may have been that trust issue that you didn't trust them to be able to hold the ball in that in this big of a game. Uh, both of them, both uh, Jaden Blue and Cedric Baxter, only get uh, nine carries apiece. We didn't see Savion Red get in, which you may have seen him come in if you were worried about that. Maybe he was another guy, but I don't know if the trust was there that any of those guys. Maybe they were worried about the pass rush of of Washington, and and they didn't necessarily want to have guys in that they didn't trust. Uh, in, in being able to pick that blitz up on passing plays, or, or guys they didn't trust to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. I don't know what the I don't know what the reasoning is of why they didn't run the ball more. I, I personally would have liked to seen them run the ball a few more times to try and get there. And, and you know, I, I don't think any of us thought that they were going to beat Washington, scoring thirty one points. So the real bigger issue was that they just couldn't put up the points at the end of the day. And uh, you know, Quinn Ewers he still had over three hundred yards passing. It's not like he had a a terrible game. He had a bad first half, that's for sure. You know, he never got into rhythm in the first half. It seemed like his release points were a little bit off and a little low. Uh, but in the in the grand scheme of things, this Texas team really didn't do terribly in this game. In the grand scheme of things, Texas is where it needs to be as a team right now, uh, building towards the future, having guys actually questioning the decision. Do they go pro or do they come back to fight for it? We saw, uh, you know, as much as we the news that Xavier Worthy is going to be leaving is not necessarily the best news you're going to get. You know, you, we all expected Xavier Worthy to go to the NFL after this year. Uh, you know, I, as a guy's his size, I think there is a there is a clock on the mileage that he can put on his body and how many hits he's going to be able to take in a career. And I mean that that's still plenty of years down the road, but you might want to be able to get into the NFL play at a high level, get that second contract, get that big money that you want to have, and then still have a few years left on the end of that, try and get another contract, try and play out, get you, you know, use your ability. Uh, so I think that it's not it's not a bad thing for him to go now uh, when you see the success that Tank Dell had, but then, of course, there's the injury, but Tank Dell, Devontae Smith is another smaller guy that you're going to you know, kind of, you know, use him as an example when you're talking about the base of Xavier Worthy, and, and we do have some good sound of that, of, of hook him up to play later too about Xavier Worthy's uh, draft ability. But we also got the news that all reports are that Alfred Collins is expected to return uh, to Texas next year, and I know he's not necessarily the one that everybody is going out and saying is the best. He's, he's someone that has had uh, untapped potential, I believe is the best way to put what Alfred Collins is. He is uh he's definitely got a lot of potential and playing time is going to be one of those factors that you're going to have to have to hope he gets better throughout next season as he's going to play a lot more. 
And with the reports that Alfred Collins will be coming back, you know that he's going to get some more time. And, and yes, there are reports of Bo Davis that other people are suiting, suiting Bo Davis right now. He's very well paid to be at Texas. Uh, no one, nothing I've heard yet makes me believe that he is uh, considering it, but I'm sure he will consider all options. Uh, but he's being paid, taken care of very well of uh, at Texas right now. So I'm not necessarily think you're losing Bo Davis. You know, I, you know, at most, at worst, Texas probably has to give him a few more bucks uh, to make him happy and get him to stay here. But you like to see what he does now that Alfred Collins will get a little bit more playing time. How is he able to help him get to that next level? And then in the reality of getting this team, getting the pass rush picked up, Trey Moore will be an automatic addition in that pass rush. Uh, you know, you get another year of Colton Vasek coming up behind him. Uh, if he will be able to step up into that role, you'll see if the you know some of the younger guys will be able to step up. Anthony Hill will have another year in this offense getting better and what his potential could be with how well he played this, fir- this first year, his freshman season. I think there's a lot of hope that you can walk out of that game. You can look at that game and say there is need to be there does need to be improvements from Sark, but if we look at the difference from last year to this year uh, of bowl performance and big game performance from Sark in the play calling, while there was still was some mistakes, while I you know I don't agree with continuing to throw the ball at the level, and in the second half the reality was he was throwing the ball better in the second half, so you didn't have to get away from it. it These was more opening script that he kind of didn't want to throw, that he wanted to run the ball more. He was trying to set it this way, and I feel that he didn't necessarily make the switch off of the opening script enough, but that's something that you know he's working on because we know last season he had the opening script, and then things went downhill very quickly after the opening script, right? That was last year, and our biggest complaint all year was that, man, the script is good, but then it's going downhill afterwards, and then it's reported they were saying during the game that his script is now could be up to 40 plays, which, again, they ran 36 plays in the first half, and forward punts. So 40 seems well over the top. You have to make adjustments in that game, though. And it seemed that the script was too long this time that they weren't able to make the adjustments, get into a run game, get into taking away and pushing the ball through the middle more where Washington was letting them have what they wanted to have. Washington was all about being on the outside, stopping the passes on the outside. And even JT Sanders was doing okay over the middle. He didn't look like he was 100% there the entire game. I think that there, you know, he was getting beat up again, and maybe some of those nagging injuries hadn't been fully healed. Uh, it feels bad that Keelan Robinson injured himself in the, the, the lead-up to the game, so he wasn't able uh, to be the factor that you know he'd love to be in that game after last year with the Alamo Bowl and the performance that he wasn't as great there. This time they put him back, you know, I guess as just Sark being a loyal guy and Sark being the guy who wants to, you know, in recruiting, I believe keeps his promises as well as any other coach because we've seen him do questionable things for the guys that have stuck with him and and have been there with him. But I don't know if that's always the best thing for Texas. We will see as it continues on. And – you know, if we look at it that way, I don't I'm not as mad about this Texas loss as I normally would be. I, I think that they lost this game. You know, there was a few key points where you could say this would if you could change those points, you know, the fourth and one where Tavondre is not on the field and Byron Murphy is not on the field, and they go to fake it on a fourth and one and try and get you to draw you off sides in the first half. They don't it doesn't work. They come back to the sideline, realize that the big men aren't in the middle and say, well, go back out there. And if they don't, if they don't, they're not out there, then just run the ball up the middle. 
Because Dylan Johnson, when when those guys are on the field, he's not doing anything. He's, he's 2.9 yards per carry was the end of the game, uh, which is not great. You know, you'd like to be over that if you're a, if a really good running back. Uh, but the problem was when he needed the yardage, he was getting it. They were able to find him in the holes. They were able to because of the you know, it, you know with the with the linebackers push more back in the secondary, really trying to make sure they weren't killed by the pass, which they still were because Michael Penix was going to light him up. Uh, you know, I, I just think that the game plan, Washington had a better game plan going in, and Texas was not able to adjust quickly enough. And unfortunately for Texas, that's, you know, that's the cards you get dealt that maybe a Michigan team. Now the pass rush for Michigan, I don't know if, if that would have worked out much better for Texas because we saw what they were able to do to Milrow and Alabama. We saw what Michigan was able to do uh, taking it after Alabama. And, and that, look, Alabama was still in there because of miscues by Michigan. Washington didn't really have that many miscues. They had the muff punt, which if you take the muff punt out, Texas isn't in the game. But again, that goes back to if you take the two fumbles out, Texas maybe wins it. So we're, you know you can't take any of that out. But Michigan also had their stumbles and the missed extra point that made it so it was still a game at the end of the game, if that makes sense. Uh, it, it was a great, it was a good feeling for Texas to be a part of a Final Four that you felt you should have been in. That you know we we saw last year that TCU didn't feel like it should have been in there. And for Texas to feel like it really should have been in a Final Four, that's a good feeling to have as well for this Texas team. And I think there's a lot to look at in this Texas team and in that game and the positives that Quinn Ewers did have a bad first half and responded in the second half with a much better second half. That's a Quinn Ewers we hadn't seen. And and I know there's a lot of talk uh, that I've seen still going today because people are waiting to see the the – answers of who's going pro and who's not and we'll get those over the rest of the week and I'm sure we'll still continue to get them and we may get one during the show who knows of who is uh declaring for the draft and who's not but for Texas to to for for Quinn yours you would love to have him come back because you can see what a guy like Michael Penix could do with the extra experience and and for a guy like Quinn yours when you see his progression his actual progression for through the years and what he was last year to what he is this year and how much better he is in those big moments and how much closer he is and, and the, the the resiliency now to be able to come back. And I know he missed the pass at the end of the game, and I know he missed some plays. Uh, I know I think that Xavier Worthy was hurt. I don't know that for a fact, but I also know he got two targets in a game. And as much as you want to say that they were game planning that if he wasn't going to get it, even that, if you go in the second half, you're going to try and find him. Uh you know, there are reports that he was running 50-yard dashes before the game, but that doesn't mean anything if he can't cut. And maybe he was just going to be trying to make straight routes, and if those were double-covered or safety cheated over, it didn't matter. But he did not seem to be the factor in the game that he would have liked to have been. You would have liked to have seen uh, JT Sanders, who, even, who led the team in targets, be able to break one of those big ones and be able to get some extra yards. You would have liked to have seen chunk plays, which is not Washington doesn't really allow. You would have liked to have seen some more of those things that Texas made their name on that Washington kind of made their name stopping. Uh, it didn't happen. But, you know, we'll get into this a little bit earlier because we I do want to make this a tech show because I didn't really get to respond to text yesterday. So I hope you're listening now and, and, and enjoying it. You want to join us on the text line and talk about this game. We'll try and start a conversation on the text line. But I want to give you the big fat poll today too early so you guys can jump in on that. Uh, then we'll talk a little bit more college football. and we'll, we'll, we'll go and take a break and we'll come back. We'll keep talking, all right? Uh, so let's hit the big fat poll early today. Patrick's big fat poll of the day on the horn. 
All right, Big Fat Poll of the Day today. Text lines open, 512-447-3776, 512-447-3776. If you want to join the conversation, we're going to be talking everything from NFL to, of course, the college football playoff and, and the Longhorns, and we'll get into everything. A little NBA even, too, today. Uh, we'll get into all that, but if you want to get into the Big Fat Poll of the Day, uh, this is what I want to ask you guys. And I know this is only the Wednesday. This is the Wednesday after. We couldn't ask this before, but the season's over. We all feel pretty good about what Sark has done getting this team in three years from you know a, a Tom Herman era where it was okay. You had the Sugar Bowl win, but things weren't quite progressing, and maybe the faith was leading off of that team. And maybe you were getting some different reports that players weren't as happy as they wanted to be. The the donorships weren't the donors, the big money donors weren't necessarily happy. And we go then get Sark. It's five and seven. There's a lot of questions. The next season, not a great year, year two, but much better, but not great. He was just close on a lot of games, but couldn't get it done. A lot of questioning about his play calling and his coaching. Now you get to a college football playoff. It's a 12-team playoff next year. So a lot more opportunity to get in. You're going to the SEC, though. A lot more happened in the SEC, and you're going to be playing better teams. And the, the margin of error is going to be less. So the poll for the day today, in your mind, is Texas back? It's the, the, the three words. You can't say it's Texas fans because you get mocked for saying if you say Texas is back, you get mocked for it. I don't know. I don't know if we can say that. I think you have to have a period of time for it to happen. But in your opinion, are they? And I want to know what does that mean to you? In your head, what is required for them to be back? Are they back now? And did how did they get there? Or is there still more time where they need to give back? Because we have to look. And what are you comparing us to? Because what is your back to? Is your back to a ten-win season and they're consistently compare and they're consistently competing for a, a, a conference championship, which is now going to be different because you're going into a conference with Georgia and Alabama. I mean, you're going in with two, you know, dynasties of schools. Do you need to be on their level to be back? Do you have to be able to compete with Georgia and Alabama? And it doesn't matter if you're. If you're right below that, if you're number three in the SEC, are you back? Let me know. Let me know what you think on that. And is it, do you have to be in the college ball playoff every year, even though that wasn't, there was, Texas was never that team. Now, Texas between 2000 and 2009 was a really good team. And there were some really good years and they were one away. But what does, what does it mean for you? Is Texas back and are they back? I'd like to know that because if we look at the other teams in this Final Four. Now, we can mention Georgia is going to be, you know, they're out of it, but they're still going to be really good next year. We know they're still going to be really good. They, they went out there and boat raced Michigan, or uh, Florida State, sorry. They boat raced Florida State. Florida State will be good again. They get uh, DJ Weungalele to come in as, uh, as their new quarterback. They'll be good again. And the ACC will probably be bad again. So they'll be able to go and get that. By the way, if you want to know the conference bowls, how they shaped out, and yes, there's still one game left. Uh, but if you want to know how the conference bowl shaked out, the ACC ended up five and six, the Big Ten five and four, the Big Twelve five and four, the Pac twelve five and three, and the SEC five and four, which basically means everybody won five games. It wasn't really that much of a deciding factor which conference was the best. If you want to look into individual matchups and who looked better and who you know who lost these big games, uh, I think the Big Twelve did fare pretty well. Uh, the SEC, you see that part where some of those teams probably should have won games that they didn't. And some of the teams in the SEC were able to handle their business. Uh, and the ACC had a lot; just had they have a lot of teams, so they were able to win. Uh, the win percentage wise, of course, goes to the Pac-12. They only had eight teams get in. They went five and three. Uh, they win the the uh, 
percentage win, and part of that is Washington beating Texas. Uh, however, you can't also add into that that uh, they they will not exist next year. So there's partly that as well. Uh, but I want to know on the text line. So if we say those are the this parameters, Texas is going to the SEC. So we have to factor that into these back because you don't want to say they're back and walk into the SEC and get smacked in the mouth because that you know the conference is just that much better. I don't think they're that much better. Personally, I don't believe that the SEC is that much better that Texas is going to have a huge step back. I think they will have to adapt to it. I think that the personnel they have has to adapt. I think the coaching is definitely going to have to adapt. You may see some some uh, time next season. There may be some growing pains, but I don't know if it'll be bad enough that Texas can't have a 10-win season again. And I think if you have a 10-win season, then you're getting pretty close to that that 12-team national uh, that 12-team college football playoff. You're getting closer to that. If Quinn Ewers decides to come back, it's, of course, different than if Arch comes in because there's a lot of growing pains if Arch is there. Now, he may be great. We don't know, but there's going to be growing pains as there is for any new starting quarterback. So that's the question for today. Is Texas, is Texas back, and what does that mean to you? And if, if they're not, what do they have to do to be back? Win a national championship? Win two? Win three? That's not back. That's new. I mean, you can say that if you want to, you know, but that's not back. No, I don't think back is winning national. I think back is consistently playing at a high level. So I don't know if they're back. I think if you look at it, I think they're as close to being back as they've been in a long time because it feels like a team that is going to be able to keep going. But I don't know if they're back because it's hard to say it after one season, right? It's just hard to say after one season. But it feels like it, doesn't it? feels like it. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll get into some of your texts. I want to play some sound from uh, E and Rod B. And we may get into some NFL or NBA talk as well. There was a trade between the time when I talked to you last. Uh, Spurs in action last night. Rockets in action tonight. Mavs in action tonight as well. We may try to get to some of that. And, uh, of course, your text messages here on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on the Horn. Sports Complex here on the Horn on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, musical theme today is just, or this week, is just playing the blues. We played some yesterday. It just felt like a blues week with the weather, with the the season, football season for Longhorns being over and college football almost wrapping up. It feels like a, just felt like a blues week to me. 
So we're just going to be playing some blues all week and different styles of blues, but we'll be playing blues for the rest, the rest of the week. we got another show tomorrow with the blues, and then uh, we'll get into uh, 512 Friday on Friday and uh, breaking down uh, some NFL playoffs that are going to be huge. We'll get into some NFL as well in the 5 o'clock hour. But, of course, your text messages, 512-447-3776, asking you, is Texas back, and what does that mean to you? What does being back mean? Do you feel they are? What do they have to do if they're not? Let me know. What does Texas being back mean to you? And anything else you want to talk about the game? If you have, you know, opinion about the game you want to put out there, if you've got something you want to, you know, a take that you haven't heard or a take that you think was underrepresented or anything about the Texas game where you feel where it's Wednesday and, you know, it's two days later and you still have that on your chest, you feel free to put them in. You guys drive the show. We just try to keep it on the rails. I'm going to play you a clip uh, from Hook 'em Up. That is when you talk about Texas being back, when you talk about the future of this program, uh, Rod kind of went in and, and Aaron went into a little bit of what Texas lacked in the Washington game and the positive side of when you look at recruiting and how this team is being built, that Texas may be one year ahead of schedule uh, in some aspects. And uh, as they continue to round that out, maybe getting even better. It's uh, hook them up for me and Robbie. It's weekday morning, 6 to 11, right here on the horn. And uh, they're playing a little highlight from me here on the sports complex. It's a good it's a good problem uh, to have to deal with that your team is playing for a college football championship. And hey, you got a chance within your region to be able to make the trip to go support the team. That's awesome. Like I said, usually around bowl season, we're accustomed to Texas playing in a lackluster bowl that nobody really cares about, and not a lot of Longhorn fans are traveling for it, even if it's two hours down the road or something because it's a bowl. It's the Alamo Bowl or it's the Texas Bowl again. Mm-hmm. And or that, no bowl. Or no bowl. Not the case for this team, man. This team uh, was, a, it was, it was a great team. Um, there was some disappointment, obviously, in the way they performed in that game, but these are good problems to have. If Texas got this issue um, for the, you know, where they can't get over the the hump quite to get to a national title game but they're right there banging on the door for the next couple of years that's that's a good that's a good thing i mean because texas is ahead of schedule they weren't supposed to be here this year now i'm not saying that they don't didn't deserve it they deserve it that's pretty obvious but in terms of our projections for this team we most of us projected hey big 12 title that's to go you got to win the big 12 this year that's the track you're on that's the pace you're on they exceeded that they went They're ahead of that schedule, and I think it showed up in the game. I yeah. think you know when you take that step from Big Twelve to Elite Top Four. Look, Washington. You know we we said this for a month, and that's why. Again, you were on point with everything you said about this team and what they had to deal with. But look, a better quarterback at Washington. Mm-hmm. They had a better quarterback than you. That yeah. showed up. They had a better coach. Mm-hmm. Steve Sarkeesian still has to prove. But I mean, Kalen DeBoer and Sark is not a lot of separation. But DeBoer is the national coach of the year. And we felt like, you know, his team with the experience he had, and they, they had a better game plan here. But, but it helps when you have the better quarterback and then three great receivers, and you're dealing with the number one passing offense in the country, uh, the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line that don't give up sacks. So, so everybody, you know, clamoring about why couldn't we hit the quarterback. No one really hits Michael Penix in his career. You're no different. Uh, it's just kind of the deal. And you've got to figure out a way. And the way is you have to outscheme them, and then you have to outscore them. Uh, you just do go back to the game. They the, the game they 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 most in twenty twenty one consecutive wins now. The game that they should have lost was the Oregon game at home, just in Seattle, where Dan Mullen kept going for field goals. They lost the Arizona State game. They almost yeah. Well, they, well they didn't the, even score an offensive touchdown. You're right about that. They had a pick six, <laughs> but pick six. That's true. Well, that's the last point. I mean, at least that I'm going through. But so so you have to outscore them usually. 
when they're going, when they're when when Penix is in a rhythm, you got to outscore them. And Texas stopped scoring in the third quarter, and they gave up 13 unanswered points, and that really lost them the game. But the um, the other point is, Rod, you you have to. Uh, you have to anticipate that we're going to have to score a lot of points here to beat this team. The, the Oregon game that they lost, that they won at home, that was when Dan Mullen kept going for it on fourth down and not taking the field goals. They were 0-3 on fourth down. Yes, right. and that's nine that. points, mm-hmm. and they would have won the game. Yeah. So you have to keep scoring. Texas did not. Uh, and so this kind of came, kind of played out as, as advertised if you were doing the deep dive work that you were doing and we were talking about on this show. And, and, and here's the last point. They are more clutch than you. Yes, they are. That's another thing you have to overcome, and I'll give you the stat. Washington is now the first team to play in 10 straight games, decided by 10 or fewer points, and win all of them in Division I, the Division One era of college football. That's how clutch they are. That's pretty awesome. Yep. Uh, and so you have to beat all that, and Texas couldn't, and they damn near did. So that's the – to your point about, you know, dealing with the frustration that you're feeling today and yesterday and Monday night is much better than the apathy – of previous years you're getting there mm-hmm. and Michigan you know Michigan's lost in the national semifinal round each of the last two years and now they're playing for the natty that's kind of the path you'd like to Georgia had to go through some tough tough national semifinals uh, before they won one and then they won two that's kind of the typical growth of this thing it's not very few LSUs that come out of nowhere win it all win it all and then fall apart yeah, <laughs> and then fall apart. Yeah, like uh, that's like Auburn did with Cam Newton. Yes, and it's usually because one player comes in there and kind of transforms the program. Yeah, uh, but no, that's that's a great point. I agree with you one hundred percent. And you know, the thing about uh, this Texas team being ahead of schedule, you can tell because they lost this game essentially based on their the the lack of roster construction in certain positions that they just haven't addressed really yet. They haven't had time. They built the offense with big humans on the O-line. Sark got his quarterback and brought in X-Men guys receiver. JT Sanders at tight end. They built that offense quickly because <laughs> Sark's an offensive guy. He's like, I, I, I'm getting my guys. I need my big humans. Big I need humans. my speed. <laughs> and then he told PK, PK, you got to wait, man, like a year or so. Like, let me get my offense together. We got to devote resources to that. That's talent acquisition priority number one right now. And then we'll get to the defense. And they started getting to the defense, right? Got your, your Anthony Hills and you got your young Malik Muhammad and your, uh, you got your uh, young Terrence Brooks back there now. Derek Williams, a young buck now. Uh, so they get some young guys. I think they thought they had more talent on defense to develop, and, and they're right, in addition to Sark being an offensive guy. So they emphasized talent acquisition on offense first, and they just started building the defense in the last but couple of talent acquisition cycles. 18 months, yeah. Yeah, so you got your, your Anthony Hill, you got your Malik Muhammad, you got your Derek Williams, and they're going to get Colin Simmons in. And there's a reason, guys, that you have five DBs in this recruiting class. There's a reason. Two five-stars. Right? There's a reason you're bringing in six and total. several high-end four-stars. Yeah, with McCoubrey, you're bringing in, what, six DBs in terms of a talent acquisition uh, uh, you know, season here. And I think that – that's, guys, that is deliberate. That's intentional. That's Texas looking at their weaknesses and looking at the last phase of roster construction for uh, Sark here and building this thing. And and they thought, I don't know why, they thought they could wait on DB to to overhaul and construct that position last because that's it seems like that's what they're doing. Remember line that linebacker class was that two years ago? It was, it was yeah, well, yeah, it was twenty twenty three. They were like four five, line, five, five, five if you if you. So, yeah, they, they they've been building. You it. consider Colin Simmons a linebacker? Yes, and I bet they'll go. I bet they'll go back to the D line actually after this class. Well, and think about this: losing so many. To, D-line. to your point about PK, I mean, to PK was somewhat mocked when he was hired by or questioned by a lot of Longhorn fans because at Washington he specialized in that two four five defense, right? Yes. Where they do two down linemen. 
and then it's kind of four linebackers, but they're hybrids. They get the two overhangs on the edges are hybrids. Yeah, that they can they can yes. set the edge, but they can also rush. Yeah, and then the five defensive backs. That's what Ethan Burke doing kind of now. Right, like Ethan Burke like dropping the coverage well, sometimes. And I think so. if you're looking at their talent acquisition, that's where they're going. Right, mm-hmm. PK is going to build the defense in his image, like Sark's building the offense, and so you don't need as many big defensive tackles. You need a few. You need some big dudes, but you want speed, and that leads to. You know, the four, five linebackers of the last class with Darian Gallette and Samaje Burrell and Leona LaFau, uh, Colin Simmons. Well, you know, where, where they call them linebackers or they're, you know, edge or, or linebacker. And now you follow that up with six DBs. Yeah. Okay. And, and, you know, you also last year recruited a kid out in New Jersey named Sadir Mitchell, who's a big body, big, you know, space hauler up front. Look, go back to when, when Sark was at Washington. He wanted those big – Haloti Nada type guys, you know, who would just hold the point and then speed everywhere uh, where you could be, you know. Um, and Sark said he hired PK because it was so tough to go against his defenses yep. because they could confuse you in so many ways. And, um, you know, so now he's letting PK build the defense that used to give Sark trouble when he was at Washington. Yeah. Uh, when, when, when PK was at Boise. And yeah. Sark was playing when he was at Washington. No, it, was, it was still the same defense. PK has been running basically that same style of defense uh, since he's been a defensive coordinator. And you're right. It, it, and they're, they're building it last. And even Sark talked about the DBs in his class, what they all have in common. They're all coverage guys. So they're recruiting coverage, something. Coverage and pass lacking. rush. Um, and gotta, now I always say you got you to recruit what you can't coach. And you can't coach pass rushing ability. You can't coach coverage ability. And he also mentioned the DBs. This is something that went under the radar that – Basically, all of them are hybrids. Yeah, they don't even want to be. But he said it. He, he called Kobe Black. Kobe Black went on um, Twitter and said, "I'm a cornerback." And Sark said in the introductory press conference, "He's a three position player. He can play cornerback, gonna play safety, and he can play nickel." Yeah, they want to be versatile. He said and... that about. He said that about at least four of the defensive backs that they have versatility, and that these guys can move around. They can play multiple positions, have multiple in their skill set. That is not by. Trust me, that's not coincidence. That is by design, and as goes what you said about PK's defense, they want those big, big bodies uh, to win the numbers game in the interior. But most of those other positions are going to be hybrid kind of players, guys who are not at a a, high, a matchup disadvantage when teams. Start spreading them out and looking for those hunting those matchups. Well, think about the three keys there, Rod. That's that's coverage, uh, pass rush, and speed. Yep. With the size and the girth in the middle, right, to hold yeah. the point of attack. You're, you know, you're not going to have Tavondre Sweat, and you're not going to have, uh, um, you know, Byron Murphy moving forward. They're probably off to the National Football League or Alfred Collins. But you're coming with Sadir Mitchell, and you're coming with Vernon Broughton, and you're coming with Trill Carter, and you're going to keep adding to that. And they, they brought in several others in their D-line class. And then those hybrid players, as you said, around that, that what is Ethan Burke, right? You saw him dropping into coverage yep. in the game against uh, Washington the other night. Uh, Colton Vosick is another guy coming. Colin Simmons, Darian Gallette, Samaje Burrell, all these guys. And then now you got to have coverage in the back end. Yep. And you got a versatile, cross-trained coverage you know, Dwayne Aquino somewhere is doing a rain dance because he's loving the no, cross train. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Everything's full circle, right? It's just, it seems like this is kind of full circle when I played and they were looking for five tool DBs. Essentially, it's kind of the same thing, but you want guys that can cover. And I think that's going back to the Texas-Washington matchup. They're, they're ahead of schedule. They haven't addressed, fully addressed the secondary yet, and it came back to bite them. It's not, I don't think it's anybody's fault. It, like I said, they're ahead of schedule, and they were, they're still building this defense, and what didn't they, didn't they have? Enough of. Pass rushing, pressure on Penix, and didn't have enough coverage defenders uh, that were holding up against the deep ball and against those vertical shots downfield. 
they, they're going to get there. That's the last piece of the roster construction. And if I'm sorry, I feel good because, like, yeah, I lost, we lost this game because, yeah, we just didn't have no time to rebuild every phase and every facet of ma- the defense. And to your credit, Rod, you said the day that they, they, the matchup was announced, and I thought, well, maybe this is the, the best matchup. You said, no, it's not. Yeah, it was, it was bad. This is a bad matchup for Texas, and yeah. we saw why. Now, the matchup with, with Alabama or oh, Michigan would have probably been better. It would have been way better. Yeah, because we stopped the run. We can, we, we're can we physical at the point of attack. We can handle Jalen Milrow or J.J. Yeah. McCarthy. And we can cover your guys. We can't cover these guys. Can't cover three NFL wide And we'll receivers. see if Michigan can. Michigan Michigan might have some trouble with him, too. I think, well, just I think. Just a little bit. Just if Penix is, he's, if he's on like he was versus Texas, they'll have issues. But Michigan's defense is better than Texas' sure. defense. There, because the secondary is better. Yeah, and Connor Stallions was seen at the Rose Bowl, just so you know. (laughs) Sighted. Good stuff there from Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Uh, Text line's open, 512-447-3776. So you hear all that, what I talked about earlier about uh, the the future of Texas and the the future looks bright right now. We're all feeling pretty good after I know it's a loss. It's the best I felt after a loss in a long time in Texas. Uh, So we're asking the question, just because it is, Kind of a stigma at Texas now. Is Texas back, and what does that mean to you? What do they have to do to get back? If they're not back, if they are back, how do they get there? Let us know on the text line, 512-447-3776. Anything else you want to talk about the game? Anything else you want to talk about in sports? Hit us up. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll get into your text messages, and uh, we'll keep the show rolling here. At the 5 o'clock hour, we'll get into some NBA. We'll get into some NFL talk as well. We haven't had time to talk about the Cowboys and the controversy of the Cowboys win over the Lions and the Texans and the AFC South and how that is coming together. And no one was expecting the Texans and the Colts game to be the flex game on a Monday Night Football on a Saturday night on a last week of the season. All that. We'll get into all that and, of course, more and more of your text messages. 512-447-3776 right here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Back in the sports complex here on the horn playing some blues because it just feels like a blues week, doesn't it? it? I don't know. It feels like a blues week to me. I've been listening to some, so I put some songs aside to play for you guys. Uh, play some blues here on the show. We'll play it today and we'll play it tomorrow. And then, you know, Friday's 512 Friday and promoting local music. We like to do that as well here on the show. But the text line's up 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Uh, we're asking you today, is Texas back? I mean, it's a stigma in Texas now. We all know uh, people like to j- joke about it and use it against us, but I'm, I'm reclaiming it. It's Texas back, and uh, what does that mean to you? And if they're not, what do they have to be? And what, if they are, what do they mean? Uh, on the text line, uh, we'll go, Bebo Angel says, proud of the horn staying in the game and fighting the very last snap. Tough to see that too many penalties and two costly turnovers were the difference in the game. Congratulations to Washington, who was a better team, and I'm really excited for next season. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a number of factors in it, but – it, like, like, I will tell you, the A number one factor in the why Washington beat Texas 
was that Michael Penix Jr. played an extremely good game of football. It was really, really good. And if you go back and you want to put yourself through to watch it again, and you can watch it, just take out the fandom of it and anything else and just watch where he was putting balls in windows that were super small, where he was evading uh, pressure, where guys were getting back on him uh, against a Joe Moore winning offensive line. They were able to get back, but they weren't able to get to him, and he was able to slide out, and he ran a few times, which Michael Penix Jr. is not a runner anymore. He was in Indiana. It was a track guy coming up, uh, ran in Indiana, but once he went to Washington, he'd already hurt himself so many times that he he was basically not going to be doing that anymore. Uh, but I, I think that it, in reality, the fact that Texas was still in it shows a lot of heart. Uh, they got lucky because uh, without the injury to Dylan Johnson and running that ball, which is a is a uh, not a great decision by Kalen DeBoer. They don't get the ball back. They bump into him, put him thirty yards or put him fifteen yards further up. Uh, but remember, there's two fumbles, but. Washington also went for it on a fourth down and didn't get it. That's a tar- technically a turnover. They were in scoring range for Texas, didn't get it. That's seven points not on the board for Texas or for Washington. They also muffed a punt that Texas got. That's seven points not on the board for Washington. Uh, so we can say both two teams kind of had those two turnovers. Uh, the stop that on fourth down early in the game would have been huge. There's a lot of plays that would have been huge, but a lot of it was even the, the, the penalties were, were a problem as well for Texas, the drive-killing penalties, pushing you back. But in the reality, Michael Pinks Jr. has played a really good game. I mean, you know, that's if you want to get mad at rules that either get mad at seventh-year and eighth-year and ninth-year players, I know he's a six-year player, but those guys who, who stick around in college and, and keep getting better and just get to that level, he's just he was playing at a, at a higher level than most people in college uh, football will play. Dex says, back is a natty. Trying to get back to Vince and Colt days where they were competing and winning natties. Just like in baseball, young NBA teams don't typically win rings because they lack experience. Horns need to use it for motivation for next year. They have experience in being the playoff team now. I agree they have experience. I can't say back is winning natties like Colt and Vince because Colt didn't win one. We know he competed for one, and we know he would have won. We would have won. I had this conversation with a young Alabama fan (laughs) talking to the other day. And he was like, "Yeah, in the 2009." I was like, "Look, man, some of us were some of us were around that team. Then they would have won. It wasn't it wasn't close. They would have won that game. But no, I I I just I I think that back is competing and constantly in the conversation late in the season. So yes, this is the first year of it. So I, I I'm with you. But I I think if the, you know if you're getting back and you're competing and you're in the 12 team playoff next year and then you can keep continuing to be in there." In the SEC, that's where you want to be. Uh, Papa, also everybody forgetting we won the, uh, the Big 12 championship. That was great. Yes, because that was that was for most of us winning the Big 12 championship was that's a successful season for Texas. You get you win the Big 12 championship. You don't do it in a screwy way where it's a, a bunch of teams or eight win teams and you somehow get in on a, a technicality and a tiebreaker and you get in. You you can you went out there. You were the best team in the Big 12. You showed it. Uh, you you slipped up against Oklahoma. I think that would make the season you know that much better. But you show it. You get in there. You give it the Big Twelve championship. Uh, and lack of holding calls on Washington of why Texas is in there. Like that that offensive line was really good. The holds on Texas in the game. As much as I didn't like them, they were really obvious. They were right in front of officials, and they did affect the place. So I'm sure there were some where I'm, I'm sure Washington held plenty. And I'm sure Texas held plenty more in that game as well. Like They both held plenty of times in that game. Uh, the holding calls for Texas, as much as I didn't want to, I would yell at the TV and they'd show the replay, and then i have to go, ah, all right. 
So I don't know if they, it was a necessarily a, a poorly officiated game. I think Texas was just a little bit more undisciplined in those moments. But I appreciate texting in. Uh, Oklahoma Greg says uh, they need to be at least 10-plus win seasons uh, in the SEC or it'll be considered a fluke season. My Oklahoma State friends think they won't win seven to eight games. They went to Oklahoma State. I won't trust them. Uh, in the SEC, uh, OU friends don't say much other than they beat us this year. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma, I, I'm not going to – I get that everyone's going to say that it was a fluke year for Texas. If you look at the trajectory and the player development, uh, it isn't. Now, the question is, you know, is Quinn Ewers going to stay? We haven't heard that yet. If he is, then it makes it much more believable. We don't know about Jonathan Brooks. If you had Jonathan Brooks back into a lineup with Jaden Blue and with C.J. Baxter, that's a running back core. That is deadly. We know Xavier Worthy's gone. Uh, how is this young wide receiver core going to be able to step up in the next year? Uh, you did have Matthew Golden in the transfer portal. Is there another wide receiver that earns a transfer portal or you know, you're able to get another one? Or is this what you're going to go in with? Uh, tight end position is going to be interesting. Can you have the amount of weapons? Sark, really, this offense works in Sark's offense, which we know that last year the problem was that Isaiah Neor was supposed to be that guy. He gets hurt, and they never really were able to equal it out. How much does Jordan Whittington mean to this team? There's questions to be answered, but I, I don't think that 7-8 wins in the SEC sounds more like the sour grapes. And Oakland Greg says, this was our destiny year, beating all the teams uh, we lost to last year, including getting another shot at Washington, getting the break of the Alabama, uh, beating Georgia, FSU losing their QB and playing bad in the championships. Final in Texas backyard, Houston, I'm afraid. It'll be extremely hard to have all those cards line up again anytime soon. As bad as Texas played in that game and Pennix playing elite, we really should have won it. Uh, and Texas didn't play terribly. Pennix was just elite. Pennix was just elite. Uh, and I look, I, you can be a downsayer and say that this was the year everything lined up. Look, FSU, things lined up for them. Things lined up for them. They were not that good of a team. They, Jordan Travis was an elite player, and they basically ended up with two not good teams to be. They were down to South Alabama in that game, and if he doesn't get hurt, they probably don't blow them out. But they went, but they're just not. They weren't that great of a team. They just weren't. They were going to get boat raced in the finals with Jordan Travis. In real reality, they were not that good of a team. Uh, and if they played Georgia, they would have got killed too. And Georgia, I mean, could have gone well in the playoffs as well. They're just a really good team. I, I don't buy into that. This was a lucky year that we caught all of the breaks. Uh, you know, I think that they need to improve again next year. We know we I played the cup that the secondary and the defensive line are going to improve again, or the, the edges will at least improve. It's hard to say improve if Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat are gone. It's hard to say that's going to improve inside. Uh, but I think the defense will overall continue to grow. I think Quinn Ewers in another year could be really good for this team. And I know the SEC is good, but again, you're talking about can you go in there and compete with the top teams? You're, you know, you're going to be playing a Michigan team. We'll see if Harbaugh's still there. We'll see how many players are still on that Michigan team after the season. But you could go in there and have a big win in the Bakehouse next year. That's a possibility, and this season starts off just fine. It starts off like last year. I, I don't think it's necessarily a, uh, a complete fluke thing, and it's a 12-team playoff next year as well. That's the other factor of all this stuff. They would have made it you know, easily even if SFU was in next year because, uh, because it is a team. It is a, uh, a 12-team playoff next year. So I'm not I'm not bought into this was our destiny year. I think this was a year where they're continuing to grow. And as far as the revenge tour, that revenge tour was last year. That was what technically was revenge tour, and they had to stop saying it because they kept losing. <laughs> they couldn't say it, but that was supposed to be last year. So I don't I don't think that changes. I think this next year you just have a new slogan. This is the this is the no one believes in us. We're the underdog year, whatever it is. And you go in there and you start beating up on SEC teams. You're gonna have to change up what the defense does, but I don't think it's gonna be as bad as people think it is. 
Uh, Texas, Texas will be back, but only when they overhaul their defense, defensive secondary, and that includes coaches. All right. I get they didn't do great, but that's because of recruiting. That's because they had to start building. They will get better with time. I would not say we necessarily need to get rid of Gideon and Terry Joseph. If Sark does, then that's fine. I'm not, I'm not saying that he has to keep them. I'm not saying he has to get rid of them. Uh, but I don't think the secondary necessarily played as bad as people thought they did in that game. They didn't play well, but this is a Washington team that lit up everybody. They just lit up everybody. And some of those passes plays, they were, to- they were coached to play facing the wide receiver to try and make it as hard as they could make it. And they did their job. And, I mean, there were plays where it should have been in there. They got tackles. They didn't allow touchdowns on big plays. Yes, they allowed big plays. They didn't allow touchdowns on big plays. They made them keep going down and earning it. And that's kind of what this defense was built on. That's what PK built this defense on was let them get down but try and make them get field goals. They just weren't able to hold at the end. That was more the issue was Dylan Johnson getting two touchdowns in there, some penalties, some things you don't want to see down in the stretch. But they they did hold actually pretty decently and I know the secondary, but we knew the secondary was weak. And I think they're going to be much better. Recruiting-wise, they've done a great job of recruiting. Uh, I think that will continue to grow. Uh, but I will not say we need to fire everybody, but I'm also not a we-need-to-fire-everybody-most-of-the-time guy. I will tell you when I want somebody fired. I, that, I do have those. I'm not, I'm not above anything. But I normally think if you, it's blatantly obvious when you can see people not performing and not, not developing, which I think are secondary developed. I, if they're not putting effort out, if they're, if the culture is wrong, if the people are underperforming because of effort, then you want to get the, then I'm worried about the coaches. If something just looks naturally off, they just look like a secondary that wasn't as good as the, the offense. It's not an NFL secondary. And that wasn't NFL quarterback throwing the three NFL wide receivers. That's what it looked like. That's what it looked like. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll get back to the text line. We'll get to some NFL talk as well. Keep on texting in, 512-447-3776. Poll of the day, is Texas back? And if not, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? Uh, on the text line, 512-447-3776. We'll be right back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app, hornfm.com.